Welcome to another episode of the Zenpreneur Podcast, the show for entrepreneurs who want more money and less stress. The Zenpreneur Podcast is hosted by serial entrepreneur and high-performance coach Mario Lanzarotti. Listen as Mario and his inspiring guests share the insights, strategies, and habits that allow you to grow your business with peace of mind so you can enjoy more wealth and freedom. Learn how to build the mindset and habits you need to find the balance between a successful business and a thriving personal life. And now, here is your host, Mario Lanzarotti. Hello and welcome, my friends. This is your host, Mario Lanzarotti. I'm excited to welcome you to another episode of the Zenpreneur podcast. And today, we have a very special guest. My dear friend, mentor, brother, Mark S.A. Smith, who was the first guest on the Self-Doubt Solution, and now he's back for another round of wisdom, value, and guidance for the entrepreneurs that are seeking to find the balance between creating wealth and having peace of mind. Mark is a true business sage. He's an author of many business books. He's delivered over two thousand speeches in 54 countries and today he's working with organizations big and small and helps them craft a plan for realizing their future mark welcome again back to the show welcome mario it's such a delight to be here i'm honored to support your your guests and you with uh, the insights that i might be able to uh, to bring and you certainly have lots of those insights. Um, I am a testimony of those insights. For those of you that don't know, Mark is uh, played an instrumental role in helping me craft my speech <clears throat> for the TEDx talk that crossed over a million views. And so having a conversation with Mark, I consider a, a great honor and I'm just excited to dive in right now. Well, it goes the other way too. It's nice to talk to a TEDx speaker that's had over a million views. <laughs> <laughs> and mario in my case in, in in your case um i was polishing a diamond so you came to me with a an extraordinary speech and uh, you're very kind in saying what you do yet i want to realize that you also took direction well and um the result is in the views and listener if you haven't if you haven't listened to mario's TEDx talk, it's worth the 17 minutes. There's definitely ideas worth sharing there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And so as we dive into what I feel is going to be a very powerful conversation, a little bit of background information about Mark and I and our connection and how we got connected. We are both part of the Bellwether Alliance, um, which is a members only a group worldwide. And when I first met Mark, on a Zoom call through an intuitive, oh, he was speaking something at an online gathering. I was like, oh, this is an interesting man. I want to reach out. The first words that came out of my mouth when Mark and I connected was, how are you so conscious? And immediately I was startled because I was like, wait, what did I just say? And I felt a little bit embarrassed because I was oh, God, he must think I'm some weird guy. And in, in fact, he didn't do that at all he went right with it and he said, hmm, that's an interesting question. Let's explore that. And so Mark really helped me 
to refine and elevate further in my understanding of consciousness. And today, uh, we want to bring you that conversation because you are an entrepreneur, you're a business leader, and you may be thinking, well, you know, what's in it for me and consciousness? You know, I'm good where I'm at. You know, mindset is good. But I really want to show you why this is where all of the magic is at. And so, Mark, can you explain to us why the work on consciousness for entrepreneurs is so important? Oh, I'll be delighted to. Well, as an entrepreneur of four decades and uh, as a consciousness seeker for Eh, at least two decades. Uh, I, uh, I've learned a few things along the way. And c consciousness, and what we're really talking about here is accessing um, the intelligence beyond ourself. When we say use the word consciousness, that's mm -hmm. what we're talking about. Not just whether you're awake or you're asleep, um, but it's, it's that tapping into the wiser part of ourself. And it's tapping into that wiser part of the universal power that that created suns, moons, and stars, and planets, and all the things that we observe, hopefully in deep awe. I think as entrepreneurs, it's important that we step outside at night and uh, look at the stars and, and say, you know, I'm just this little thing on this little planet in the middle of this backwater galaxy. And... Yet I'm going to do the very best I can uh, because all these stars are watching me. And I think that that part of the, that consciousness helps drive us from the right place. It's a positive place. It's a place of desire to be the best that we can of creation. And so consciousness is what allows us to access as entrepreneurs ideas that have yet to be brought forth to the planet. Now, people will say, there's nothing new under the sun. Well, they haven't paid attention, have they? Because, uh, you know, 12 years ago, 13 years ago, we didn't have these things. And you have to admit that this disrupted everything when it came to communications, to how we behave, to how we consume our uh, entertainment. And... There's always new things under the sun. As entrepreneurs, part of our job is to identify gaps that are always emerging as we proceed down the pathway. And we need new things to help us fill those gaps. And the access to those gap fillers requires consciousness because you're going to be thinking thoughts that nobody else has thought before. Wow, that's pretty impressive. And to think those new thoughts, you have to tap into the universal consciousness, your higher thoughts. And part of the reason why we do that, instead of tapping into our ego, which is the alternative thought source for humans, is because the ego wants to control and wants to reprocess. It wants to know how are we going to do this? How, how, how in the world do you expect to accomplish this? Nobody's done this before. What gives you the right to believe that you can do something that nobody else can do? You haven't got the training. You don't have the insights. You don't have the tools. You don't have the money. You barely have the time. 
Well, that's our ego speaking because that's what it does. Egos deal in uh, the negative thoughts that we think. It deals in uh, grievances. It deals in attacks. And so for us to get past that element, which is 100% human, into the higher consciousness, which is also 100% human, it's the choice that we make that allows us to determine whether we as entrepreneurs will, will be extraordinary or if we're going to be ordinary or subordinary. Wow. Mm, especially the last part. I love that. The choice that we make to be ordinary or extraordinary or even subordinary. And it, as you explained it, it's, it comes from a choice of what are the two sources of thought that we rely upon, that we allow ourselves to be guided uh, through. And, and one is ego and one is higher consciousness. And so I'd love for you to, from your perspective, share an understanding in, in a simple form of what the ego is. What, what is that? What does it do and how does it show up in, in, in an entrepreneur's life? Well, we're going to have to get a little, little bit, um, hmm, a little philosophical here to dig into that. The um, and I hope you don't mind, and I hope your listener doesn't mind. And Please. When our this um, from my from my viewpoint, my experience, this planet is an experiment, and the uh, exploration of light and dark of good and evil. And we see it everywhere. We see people that choose evil. We see people that choose good. And, you know, decades ago, Star Wars turned that into a thing, the force or the dark side. And so this is part of the myth that makes up the mindset of human beings. Mm. The ego is the one that is self-centered. It's the one that is uh, attempts to control the environment by controlling other people by getting angry and using fear and, and scarcity and other elements that it uses to control other people's behavior in an attempt to make them make yourself feel better, to feel good. And it's, it's the lovely part of us that believes that we are the center of the universe when it's fully engaged and when it's over-engaged, you end up with behaviors such, such as sociopaths or psychopaths. And at the other end of the spectrum, we have consciousness. And some people call it Christ consciousness or Buddha consciousness or uh, Krishna consciousness. It doesn't really matter what you choose. It's the high, higher level of consciousness that exists within us. And it is there. It is there as innately as your ego is there. It's the, it's the part of us that thinks thoughts of love and peace and possibility and prosperity as opposed to the ego, which presents us with options to consider hate and uh, war. And uh, in fact, a lot of times entrepreneurs will choose a war metaphor, talking about competition or going to battle against competitors or going to battle in the marketplace. And so even the words that a person use can tell you where, which source of thought that they're choosing along the way. 
And I'm not here to judge one as being good or bad. It, you know, we get to choose because we're all participating in this experience of good and evil. Yet for me, what I want to do is to choose a peaceful life. I've had enough of life at war. I personally, I've had enough of, of life of embattlement where I'm arguing and trying to persuade people and, and trying to convince people. Instead of what I'd much rather do is align with people and converse with people and understand people as far as I can. And so, therefore, I'm going to choose thoughts that are based out of higher level consciousness because, for me, I just like that life. It feels better to me than the alternative. And so, if, if you want to choose ego, please do because that, this is free will. You get to do that. And if you get tired and sick and you're just tired of the battle, then you might choose some different thought processes. Now, the ego is really, really good at disguising itself. And it will make you feel better because it'll let you think a few new thoughts, but it still has pretty good hold on you. So it's a, it's a practice to choose what thought track we choose. I love this. This is this is really practical in the way that you're describing <laughs> it. And I think that's key because this this topic of consciousness, ego, is naturally connected strongly to spirituality. And so with that comes a great sense of resistance for a lot of people because they're like, A, why is this why should i even look at this is what's the what's the benefit here or b immediately they go to oh it's spiritual religion wait uh when i was younger i was raised this way oh religion i hated it i don't want anything to do with that so i want this conversation to be as practical as it can be and one of the thing that came up for me as you were speaking as a way to distinguish and i'm curious if you agree with that is Ego to me sounds like a scarcity kind of mentality, a, a way of, of being and perceiving scarcity in the world. And higher consciousness to me is abundance. Does that, does that make sense? Yes. And I, I like where you're going with this. And I want to, to chew on this uh, a bit because it's important for people to understand. Yes. Um, the ego tends to focus on scarcity. And in fact, you see that frequently used in ego-based marketing. Oh, there's only three left. Uh, you, you have five minutes to take advantage of this offer. Anytime that you see scarcity that is obviously, obviously faked, because uh, if somebody's selling a digital project and they only say they say they only have five left, they're lying to you. There's an infinite number of them available. Um, so that's, that's using scarcity and that's going to be an ego based play. Now, the reason why they use it is because other people operating primarily out of the ego space is going to respond to that. Ooh, it's scarce. I better get a hold of mine. That way other people don't get it. I have it. They don't. Ha ha ha. I'm ahead of them. And that's that we get back to the attack, the scarcity, uh, the de dealing and grievances component of the ego. Versus in um, in higher consciousness, we're we're dealing with abundance. So there's plenty. There's there's oodles, and we expect a fair exchange. It's not like that we're living in 
and altruism. In fact, a lot of altruism is ego-based. Look how good of a person I am uh, versus the truly altruistic of doing things um, strictly for the, the benefit of, of helping others without any expectation of award, reward other than to fee it feels good to do so. One of the challenges that we face is that the ego has done a really good job of labeling consciousness as, as spiritual. The ego and the consciousness are equally spiritual. Go ahead and think about that for a moment. The ego and the conscious and consciousness are equally spiritual. That ought to blow your mind for just a second. But the question is, how does that spirituality show up? You know, typically when we say spiritual, what it means is non-physical. Let's just go ahead and just, just up level the, the tag of spiritual to mean non-physical for a moment. The ego operates in a non-physical sense as does spirituality. And that is we're operating with intangible thoughts that then turned into tangible actions. That's the interface between spirituality and reality or humanity or 3D space. Mm. And um, the ego is really good at faking positive uh, spirituality. You know, that's what religions are based on. Yet any religion that uses fear of any type, oh, if you do that, you're going to hell. Well, that's ego-based. And I can tell that you tell that to you instantly because it's attempting to use fear to control your behavior versus a consciousness is going to be looking for love or peace as the reward of making those thought choices. And for people that say I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual, what that means is they lean toward uh, uh, consciousness as far as their thought source. And people that say I'm religious, they tend to lean towards the ego uh, for their thought process. Remember, in, in this conversation, I'm not declaring either as good or bad. They just are choices that we make, and they lead to a certain outcome of, of our life and our interactions and how we experience this 3D space. And I think you just brought out probably the quickest way to identify whether anybody or anything or anyone is coming from a place of ego, and that is judgment. Anytime you're coming from a perspective of this is wrong, it shouldn't be happening the way it's happening, you are coming from a place of ego. Why? Because in higher consciousness, there is no such thing as wrong. There is And as you said earlier, and I agree with what you said about you looking at the world as a as a data collective thought experiment. And it's like, oh, one action that somebody would say, that was bad. No, that's an action that creates information that produces an experience that then requires a sense of cultivation over, is this really what I would like to go about doing more of it? Is this supporting me? Is this nurturing me? Is this make, making my life better in a way that I have greater health, greater peace of mind, more joy? And if the answer is no, then the natural choice would be don't do more of that. Right? But only because you had that experience did you come to that conclusion. And in that way, you can't really say it's wrong. 
because it was supportive to you coming to the next conclusion. So judgment, you know, I'd love to talk about that a little bit because that's probably the number one thing that I feel personally holds entrepreneurs back is judgment left and right about everything. And I'd love to maybe dive a little bit about how, why judgment occurs and how it affects entrepreneurial behavior and performance. Sure. Well, judgment is a way of controlling um, the environment mm. in a way that we feel is going to bring us the most happiness, the most joy, the most success. And so when we look at a situation and say, I don't like that, that's bad, we're usually making a decision about if that continues as it is, I'm not going to live, I'm not going to enjoy I'm not going to uh, have available to me those things that I consider to be valuable. And the, the, the one that's the easiest for people to look at is, you know, does this make you happy or not happy? And so we'll look at something and judge, you know, that doesn't make me happy. I'm not happy about that. That, that is not good. We're not doing that. And so the, um, what we'll do is make a judgment based on that judgment. We'll create a grievance about the situation, about the individual. And then from that grievance, we'll attempt to take action to control or limit or eliminate it so that we can get back to feeling happy. Hmm. That's really the fundamental basis versus if we, that's the ego's way of handling a scenario versus um, the the, the consciousness way of handling that is this world is a great big mix. It's, it's this huge bowl of stew that contains lots and lots of things that we can eat and, and ignore. And the, this, the world doesn't care whether we eat it or they don't care if we ignore it. It just, you, it's here presented to you as a choice. Hmm. And consciousness says, let's choose what makes us happy and we'll just let be what doesn't make us happy, knowing it might make somebody else happy. And instead of pushing against those things that bring us unhappiness, let's focus on those things that bring us happiness. Now, I'm using the word happiness as just a generic term as to whatever outcome that you're looking for or whoever you happen to be driving uh, your, your business as an entrepreneur. Now, the thing we have to be careful with, which is really very interesting, is that from a level of consciousness, we may make requests, but experience what seems to be um, a response from an ego side. So like, for example, as an entrepreneur, you may find that you spend most of your time just, just really impatient. And impatience is a really uncomfortable scenario to be in because you have zero control over what is driving you to feel impatient. Whether you're waiting to get your driver's license in a line that seems to last forever, um, in a room of people that seem to uh, um, haven't had a, 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 a two neurons to rub together uh, for at least a year or two, uh, serviced by people that are uh, government employees that are paid to be there and not to perform. Uh, and it, uh, that's a scenario. And I'm just making this stuff up. I'm not, 
this, this is nothing more than just, I need to make up a scenario for us to look at. And, and here you sit for hours waiting for something that's required by law. Um, and during that time frame, there's very little that you can do. So you'll, you know, you spend two or three hours in misery as you're sitting there fretting and just ruminating and going, oh, you know, why are these people? There's got to be a better way, you know. Oh my gosh, it's a good thing we don't get all the government we pay for. I, you just, or you can move to a pay, a place of patience, which is this is what I get to deal with for the next three hours, and I'm going to choose to feel joyful about it versus unhappy about it. And so you're the only one that's suffering because you choose to be impatient. Nobody else around you has any suffering whatsoever because of your impatience other than laughing at you because of the deep sighs and the head shakes. And, and, you know, they're looking at you going, you know, wow, you're really not liking this. Are you, this is not any fun for you. Well, you know, sucks to be you right now. Cause I'm actually really happy because I know I'm going to get my driver's license and I'm going to be through this for probably the next 10 years. This is just, uh, this just, is just, this is just a little bump in the road. So the point I want to make here is that sometimes when we work to improve our thought choices, such as I choose to be patient, the process that we go through is not that we're given snap, you've got patience. That's not how this works. Instead, you'll be put into situations where patience is called upon for you to be joyful. And you get to make that choice. You get to make that thought choice. I choose to be joyful in the situation where I could really be impatient. And then over time, because our thoughts are like grooves of a record, we burn new grooves that allow us to think patient thoughts instead of impatient thoughts. But in the process of going through that, it feels like we've got a bit of hell going on and the ego is going to say, see, I told you this patient stuff, it's garbage. <laughs> see as as you were speaking i think you gave such a profound example of what most people don't even realize because you said what are the thoughts that you choose in every single situation because from what i'm hearing is people are not suffering their circumstances people are suffering their choice of thoughts and yes. if you think about that, that really places 100% of the responsibility to you. Because you're like, you chose those thoughts. Yes. It's like, no, but it's because of my mother. No, it's because of this stupid government employee. It's like, no, you chose that. Yes. You chose how to respond to that. You chose what thoughts to create about the experience that you're perceiving. And you can either... Um, you can accept the situation as this is just the way the world is, or you can change your thoughts about it, or you can do something about it. There's two forms of insanity. I love this idea. Two forms of insanity. That is worrying about things you can't change. That's pretty crazy. Mm -hmm. Equally insane is worrying about things you can change. So why don't you just go do the things that are required to make the change instead of sitting there feeling bad <laughs> right. about the situation in the stew or well, get out of the pot. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like either do something about the situation or be at peace with it. Ideally, be at peace Just either at way. Peace but sometimes mm -hmm. the doing uh, it, it doesn't allow you to be at peace initially. There might be some anger. There might be some resentment. But once you get through that, then there is peace again. And I think what you're describing portrays one of the key success ingredients for any entrepreneur, no matter who you are, no matter what you do, you need this ingredient. And Mark just described it. And what I'm hearing is incredible resilience because with this process, nothing in the world can stop you. Literally nothing. The only thing that stops mm -hmm. you is your own thoughts. But if you become the master right. of your own thoughts, not that you have an un, unlimited resilience no matter how many things happen in your life losses failures all of that stuff you choose you get to choose you mm -hmm. get to say this is here to help me move to the level that i called in and there's a saying that says be careful what you wish for because you might just get it and that's something that I've personally experienced because ever since from a young age, I remember myself often speaking out loud, oh, I want to travel the world. I want to become a famous actor and a famous person and a big leader. And I talked about that at, at home with my parents. And, you know, they sort of say, yeah, yeah. I said, okay, that's great, you know. And later on, I, I experienced tremendous challenges that, a lot of people my age back then would not experience. By the time I was 21, I was severely depressed, chronic back pain, ready to commit suicide. And there's a reason, I believe there's a reason, because I called it in. Because as I went through that, I developed incredible strength, resilience. I got an incredibly powerful story that I now get to share with the world. And so I think what you're describing is really a, a, the manual Here's how you build unstoppable resilience. You got it. You figured it out. You cracked the code. And congratulations, Mario, because you are a world traveler. And you have lived on multiple continents. And you have experienced amazing things. And while you're not an actor, because actors just speak the words that others write, you are a master in the fact that you speak the words that you write that come from your consciousness and your words have been observed by over a million people. Heck there's movies that don't even make a million views. And Ooh. here you have uh, achieved that at, uh, at an age where you'll get to do it over and over and over again. Cause you've got a long run. You got a long life ahead of you. Congratulations. Yeah. And it is the thoughts and, we speak. You're, you're welcome. Yeah. I was going to say that, that uh, something that you taught me that I practice more and more every day is that it's not me doing this. It's really not me. And I never got this. I was quite offended, actually, when, when I first heard these things. Like, what do you mean, not me? I worked so hard. I put in all the hours and like, of course, it's me. And now I really had this visceral experience multiple times where it was like, when you remove Mario, whoever I believe Mario is, and you get him out of the way and you make space for higher consciousness to uh, 
to show up, magic happens. Higher consciousness created my TEDx talk. I didn't do that because there were so many parts where I was like, what? Wow. How, where did that come from? How did, how did I do that? What? Like so many times in, in now regularly in coaching sessions before I come on, onto the, 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 the scene, I, I meditate I just you know, I breathe and I get come into a very peaceful state. And I, in my way, I say, God, help me ask the questions that will create the breakthroughs and insights that my client wants and needs. And I say it again and again. And many times throughout the conversation, there's this thing that I feel is like, ask him about his mother. And I was like, that's weird. Why, why the mother? He didn't mention a single word. And then, then I go there. And all of a sudden, boom, I was like, wow, I could have never come up with that. So with your help, I really, really grasp more and more of this idea of the more you remove yourself, the more magic happens. I love that. It was a great story and a great example. And it brings up a point that we need to discuss, which is that ego starts and stops here. Mm. But consciousness starts and doesn't stop. Oh. It allows us to access ideas, insights, wisdom, thoughts that we would never act we would never create within our ego base because we're open to receive all of those ideas. So if you think about it another way, ego is a closed thought system. And consciousness is an open thought system. And as entrepreneurs, if we're going to bring to the world ideas that have never been thought before, that requires us to tap into consciousness. And we know this anecdotally because people like Thomas Edison, who invented in a high consciousness state, a state of meditation. And we know that because Steve Jobs would meditate on a regular basis to bring forth his ideas and his insights. And Isaac Newton uh, was in a meditative state underneath an apple tree when the concept of gravity came into his mind and the concept of calculus. Now, it wasn't the same situation. They were different uh, scenarios, but yet it allowed him to think thoughts that had never been thought before. Albert, Albert Einstein would sit in reverie with his pipe and think thoughts and have thought experiments. That's how he came up with his amazing insights into relativity that changed our relationship with our reality, bringing forth quantum mechanics. Um, all of this came from a high consciousness state, not from an ego state. So as entrepreneurs, the more time we can spend in a high consciousness state, the more likely we are to bring forth innovations. And yes. it doesn't mean that you won't spend some time perhaps in an ego state. And remember, there's no judgment here. It's which serves you best, what brings you the most joy, what accelerates you toward your vision of your life. And... Um, you get to choose. It's your thought choice all along the way. Yeah. 
And um, I'm, I'm open to let you comment on that, but I've got the next topic in mind that I want to share with you and that uh, you actually brought it. up a Go long time it. ago. And I think it's worth, I think it's worth, all right. There are, there are people who uh, have not pursued consciousness as, as an active way of doing this. And, and part of the reason why is the way that we reach higher consciousness is by being quiet, not by being busy. It requires us to still our body to find those new thoughts that are coming in versus uh, being active. Now, there are exceptions to the rule. I have found that, you know, um, relaxed states such as being around water or just walking without listening to uh, any input without music or listening to podcast allows me to access those states too. But um, in general, entrepreneurs that haven't had experience in accessing those states think that, well, gee, if I just settle into a place of peace, where's my drive going to be? Where is my get up and go going to be? Where's my competitive nature going to be? Where is the, the, uh, the get up and go that's required to accomplish this is going to, to come from. And the answer is, is that is a limited viewpoint because they haven't had the entire perspective. Um, fear through competition can be a driver of behavior. Is it really the one that you like? Some people like that buzz of adrenaline. And for them, that's a lovely, lovely thing to do. Yeah, I have been there. And where I've settled in my um, in my years on the planet is I'd rather operate from a place of peace and take action from a place of peace. There's plenty. Peace doesn't just mean that I'm sitting around playing a harp on the clouds in heaven. That's not <laughs> what peace is. Peace is peace is just a state of of relaxed knowing relaxed well-being. And from that state of relaxed well-being, I can create extraordinary things. I can perform extraordinary things without feeling stress. Yeah. Without feeling like I'm burning myself out. And so all of those side effects of being an entrepreneur of, of exhaustion and burnout and um, stress um, disappear because I'm choosing to operate out of peace, out of a peace place versus out of a stress place. And if you haven't experienced it, look forward to it. Um, some people call it flow. And if you've ever experienced flow, it's that magical state of well-being where you accomplish enormous amounts of things in relatively short order and it's effortless. So from a state of peace, you can generate flow, but you cannot generate that flow from a state of chaos. Yes. Yes. This is, this is, you've described it perfectly. And to your notion on, on what you said about, we always get to choose, neither one is good or bad. There just are. I would say that as an entrepreneur, It is part of your nature to look for possibilities and opportunities to grow, to create growth, to create value for not just for yourself, but for, you know, people in your business, your clients, the stakeholders and so forth. And so if we look at just from a point place of efficiency, higher consciousness dwarfs ego because 
entrepreneurship is a long-term game. Like Simon Sinek says, the infinite game. And the ego consciousness gives you these short bursts of energy because you're coming from a place of like uh, a lot of fear and pain and you're talking in a very negative way about yourself. You're like, come on, you piece of shit, just get going. And you're like, okay, finally, all right, let's do it. Because you're so full of, of that fear energy. And guess what? It's going to create these momentary bursts and you're going to do it. However, there are dire consequences to that. You are frying your nervous system. You are creating dis-ease from the moment you start thinking those thoughts. You become extremely avoidant to innovation because if we look at the mind, innovation comes from a place of novelty, comes from a place of creativity. The mind's primary objective is to avoid change because change goes hand in hand with the idea of a potential of uncertainty, which means a potential of danger and death. So the mind wants to avoid any sort of form of change. So the moment you come one from a place of ego consciousness, fear, it becomes impossible for you to adopt innovation because your mind will revert to old behavioral patterns because they create this, the certainty, the safety, the sense of I'm in control. I can predict what's happening. So you take that and you just produce more of the same stuff of what you have already done. And then there's another reality of it that I see in a lot of entrepreneurs nowadays. They become numb. They cannot enjoy the journey. They become these, these uh, uh, outcome addicts. Once I get to the goal, yes. Once I get to the goal, 10K. I got to 10K. Hmm. I guess it's going to change at 20K. Da, 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 da. 20K, 20K. Aha. I guess it's going to change at 40K. Nothing changes. The only thing that changes is you become more and more numb. You, you, you really dislike the kind of life that you're living, which means you need more of a coping lifestyle. Alcohol, porn, drugs, um, obsessive working, you name it. And so in my opinion, once you start well, those, to see the whole thing, there's only one logical choice. Yeah, everything you described is numbing. Stay, stay with it. You know, it's you're exactly right. All those choices create more numbness. Yeah, and then what's the point? You are extremely ineffective. So, what I have come to realize is that this is really showing people, if they understand and get this, and if they're still not doing it that they are actively sabotaging themselves. They're afraid of the higher consciousness. They're afraid of more wealth, more joy, more peace. Why? Because inherently, I, and this is what I say uh, earlier as well, people or entrepreneurs are afraid of peace for the very reason that you brought forward because there's this idea that they're going to become lazy and ineffective. But then you look at some of the most high performing people in the whole world and you find zen monks they perform unthinkable mm -hmm. tasks they will do a handstand on their pinky uh, they will endure the uh, incredible amounts of pain and 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 uh, hardship and you know you look at them and they're at peace how can they do that well higher consciousness makes the body way more powerful and so this this is why i 
think this conversation needs to be amplified and brought to the world because it just makes everything better. I agree. And thank you for amplifying this through your podcast and the work that you do. And uh, you're taking advantage of that uh, newfound uh, notoriety in a million views of your podcast of, of the TED Talk to be able to bring more of these brilliant ideas to the world. And uh, congratulations. Yeah. That's why I'm proud to call you my friend and my brother. In, um, Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate the, that. You're welcome. I'm Well, I'm honored, my friend. It's an honor to be with you, an honor to share ideas with you. Let's, um, let's just talk for a moment about making that shift from primarily ego-based uh, conversations and thought processes to, uh, to consciousness-based process, thought processes. And there's an old story which most everybody has heard about the the two wolves that live within our minds and the one that grows the, chron the strongest is the one that we feed. And the feeding is nothing more than where we put our energy to. What attention? Where do we put our attention? And understand that, listener, if you're sitting there going, you know, I, I really love these ideas. I just don't know if they're right for me yet. Uh, boy, you know, I've got so much to do and and yeah, I'm burnt out and yeah, I'm fried and I I'd probably drink more than I need to. And I probably use too much escapism with Netflix binging or porn consumption or whatever, whatever it is that causes your brain to be completely pulled away from the other thoughts that you have. And you might think, you know, this is really a challenge. This is hard. And the answer is it can be if that's what you decide. But there's also ways to make a difference. Mm -hmm. Um, although I also have to tell you is there, you will have to make changes in your life if you choose to more move board toward a higher consciousness, uh, focused life than an ego focused life. Uh, you're going to lose some friends and you're going to gain some amazing friends, uh, because those friends that want to go out and party with you aren't going to like the fact that you're really not up for partying right now because you would rather sit in contemplation. You know, I, I you know, quite frankly, I'd rather spend an hour uh, in contemplation. Some people call that meditation than I would an hour of drinking. Uh, to me, the outcomes are completely different. I'd, at the end of the hour of contemplation, I'm a better man. And at the outcome of, of, of drinking, I'm a drunk. And, so you're going to be making some cha fundamental changes along the ways and you will lose some quotes friends, but they're not the, they're not the people that are in the class you want to be with anyway. So that's the first thing you need to know is that there will changes will, will happen. And uh, the, the second thing to keep in mind is that get help. You, you can't, it's difficult to do this on your own. But it's a whole lot easier when you can work with um, a coach or a guide or a therapist or somebody that can help you process through your journey of moving from primarily ego-based thoughts to primarily um, conscious-based thoughts. And, and yes, it's that's what it's going to be primarily. Even Zen monks still have occasional uh, thoughts of ego. The ego never goes away. And we don't want it to go away. It's part of our human nature. 
but it's that free will choice. Do I choose an ego-based thought or do I choose a peace-based, higher consciousness-based thought that really drives how our experience goes? But you can always take the roller coaster ride if you want and go down back down ego's pathway for a while. You get to. <laughs> you may not choose to, yeah. but you get to. Yeah. And and I think you can even to a degree do so consciously. I take for instance, say in my case, right? I I rarely if ever go party anymore. I don't drink alcohol. I, I don't really like it, right? But every, I don't know, five, six months, I will go to a festival and I will allow myself to completely be immersed in that experience without any judgment. I'll drink, I'll have fun. Yes, the next day I'm going to have a hangover and I'm, I know that this is coming. And yet I choose to go there, not from a place of, oh, I have to do this or if I do this, my life will be better. That's simply for the experience and the enjoyment of it. It doesn't give me anything that I don't have in my life. And so I think the distinction that you also brought forward that ego is not bad. It's not that you have to banish the ego and say, oh, this is terrible. This is Satan. It's like you understand the mechanics of it and you understand that it's it's primarily a protection mechanism. Right? It's, it's there to keep you alive. And oftentimes, if you really understand the nature of the ego, it does the opposite. Uh, it actually makes you sick. Uh, but, you know, there are benefits in certain situations to it. And if you learn to come into a more harmonious relationship with the ego, you'll no longer be dominated by it, which then you can, you know, I have that too. When sometimes, you know, I, I, I'm triggered. And then I can hear my ego say, oh, you son of a, and I hate you. And I've learned to now not go, oh, why am I thinking that? Oh, God, I'm so awful. Oh, I shouldn't be thinking that. I was like, I said, hello, ego. How are you today? Do you need some love? It's okay. Do you need to, do you need a hug? And I give myself a hug. Do you need to, do, what do you need to hear? <laughs> that everything is okay? That you're safe? That it's okay? Anything else you need to let out? Are you done? How do you feel now? So I talk to my own ego like I would talk to my own child in the most loving, non-judgmental way possible. And guess what? Then the ego is deactivated in, in no time. And I come back to higher consciousness living. And so I love that distinction that you bring in because I think it's so important to understand also for people that are more advanced on the consciousness path. I see this a lot where they're like, yeah, but I should know this. I teach this stuff. I coach on this. I should be perfect, you know? And talking about perfection, you make also make well, a distinction. The, there's the ego beating. Excellence. Well, and, and there's a case of their ego beating them up about the fact that they should have overcome their ego. Anytime you have a self-attack thought that comes from the ego that never comes <laughs> from higher consciousness. And so, you yes. know, it's hilarious because the ego is attacking them for uh, allowing the ego to sneak in. And so there's this vicious downward cycle versus mm -hmm. going, hmm, that was an interesting choice. Huh. Okay. Well, I love that I did that. I love that I have that experience. And I love that I'm not going to make that choice again. <laughs> and uh, yes, re reading your mind uh, of the place that you're heading to next is the difference between excellence and perfection. 
And I, I want to go there with that. Uh, perfection is a judgment. And it's a judgment where you are the judge, the jury, the accused, the executor, and the victim, and the victor. And by what mm. standards do you choose to call something perfect? You can take a look at the Olympics and you'll have a panel of judges, each which is deemed to be the very best at that sport in their part of the world. And they can't agree on perfection. They study it uh, and they still can't agree on what perfection looks like. And so that's why you have judges, each one having a different grade for a particular athletic performance. And I think it, this is the clearest example of that judgment is, uh, uh, perfection is 100% a judgment based on an individual and their ego's template of what brings them perfect joy. And as an entrepreneur, looking for perfection will consume an enormous amount of your cognitive capacity. And you need your cognitive capacity for something other than the last 2% or last 5%. Instead, what we want is excellence. If you stack this up through the eyes of your customer against what a competitor is offering, what another vendor is offering, competitor is going to be an ego-based word versus another choice that your customer has, maybe more of a conscious-based approach to framing this up. The customer doesn't see your competitors as a competitor. They see it as an alternate choice. Mm. And we're way, way, way better off looking at the world through the eyes of our customer than we are through the eyes of the ego-based war of going to competition for market space. And if you take a look at the, the world through the eyes of your customer, they choose you because you are excellent compared to other choices. You are better in their time in their frame in their context than the other options are and that's why they choose them and uh, since i've been studying this for a very 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 long time i realize that a lot of the what we call competitive advantages or the reason why the customer chooses us over somebody else is usually non-product based it's not because of what we're offering it's because of uh, how responsive we are or how well we support the customer in their success of using our product or how much more pleasant it is to be with us than it is to be with a representative of the other ego-based company, which sees the world as war. And so those non-product-based elements can create the, 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 the exceptional aspect of uh, the product that has nothing to do with the technology or how it's manufactured or its color. And so when we can focus on non-product based differentiators and the idea is to be desirably different with uh, product differentiators wherever possible, but non-product differentiators everywhere we possibly can, we, we move to a place of excellence and that's what is the tipping point. One last example, in a race, in a horse race, the difference between the winner and the loser can be just a fraction of an inch. You know, they win and lose by a, a nose. 
even after running the you know several miles around the track. And so is is the horse that wins perfect? Nope. They're just excellent. <laughs> so good. So let go of so perfectionism. Good. It's so true. Mm. And and the and, and it really is a so perfectionism to that one last one last point. Go for it. Go for one it. last point I want to make on that. We have we have just we have just a little bit of delay, uh, listener, and I know that you're experiencing that, but it doesn't interfere with the uh, the message. The um, uh, perfectionism consumes an enormous amount of of energy, an enormous amount of cognitive capacity, well, well, well beyond the value that it delivers. Perfectionism actually robs you of the capacity to be excellent because you're focused on the last couple percent versus the entire picture. And so for, for that reason, it's, you have to recognize that perfectionism is actually a tool of the ego to prevent you from reaching your goal. And interestingly, that's the way ego works is ego asks you to take actions that will never, ever get you to your goal. The ego never supplies you with a solution. It supplies you with the hope. Uh, If you behave this way, you're going to get what you want. And you may for a moment, but it's unsustainable. So you have got to let go of perfection, recognizing it's a tool of the ego to keeping you from excellence. There was one point you made in there that I think sums it up. You said, you know, perfection is focused on the last few percentages, last few bits. It's like, "Ah, I got to make this corner here, just change it just a tiny bit. And excellence is focused on the entire process. And when you're focused on the entire process, one, you love what you're doing because you're so engulfed in, in the process of it. You're not attached to the outcome. Two, like you said, you become way better than most people, not because not because you're competing with them, but because most p- people are ego-conscious operating and they're looking for perfection while you're showing up every single day with excellence. From day one to day 30, all you do is excellence. So in that, you have an incredible advantage over most people as a, as a byproduct, not as a main focus, but as a natural byproduct. Just like the oak tree is naturally better than most other trees at, at using the wood for certain structures, not because the oak tree is competing with other trees, because the oak tree is being the oak tree. And if you, you know, there's this, fam- there's this famous Zen saying where, the, the student asked the master, said, master, 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 how do I get to enlightenment? How do I get there? And he's like, chop wood, carry water. And he's like, oh, wow. Okay, great. So he does that. You know, okay. He gets to, gets to experience enlightenment. He's a master. Now what? Now that I've reached the state, now what? And he looks at him. He says, chop wood, carry water. Do the same thing. Continue practicing excellence. Not because you got to some some aloof place in your life, because that's who you are. That's your nature. Be excellent. And I think that's what you have delivered here today, my friend, an excellent 
conversation from start to finish, packed with valuable insights that truly, when you listen to this, and I recommend whoever you are, my friend, listen to this not once, but listen to it twice. First time, listen and just be with the conversation. Second time, take notes. Take notes and, and see, how can I apply this to my life? And I think if somebody is interested in learning more about this, can they reach out to you, Mark, and, and find out more on how to become an, a, a higher conscious entrepreneur? <laughs> I'd love to do that. Um, one addition to your suggestion of listen to this multiple times um, and take notes is I also encourage you to disagree with us. I want you to look mm. at places where mm, that's not really the way that I've experienced it. And what that does yeah. is opens you up to a broader perspective. I don't expect for you to change your mind in this moment, but it'll open you up to a broader perspective so that you are now making a conscious choice versus a forced choice. And moving to conscious choices over forced mm. choices is how we increase our consciousness, where every choice that we make is based on uh, our exploring the perspective uh, versus just making a knee-jerk reaction of, oh, I don't like that. Well, why? Well, because my mother didn't like that. Well, why? Because my grandmother didn't like that. Mm. Well, why? You know, and we go back to the place to where, you know, grandmother didn't like it because um, one of her her friends liked it. And so she took the opposite viewpoint just because that's what she wanted to do in that scenario. And so you get to this illogical point where we're, we're making a decision based on somebody else's illogical decision a hundred years ago. So we just don't, you know, we have to think about this consciously and we have to take it apart and look at it. So I, I, um, I encourage you to, to expand your perspective through the conversation that Mario and I have shared with you today and then make choices based on what, what thought patterns do you choose for the future, uh, whether you want to be more burned out or if you want to be more peaceful. And I'm delighted to talk to anybody. You know, if you think that you have a, a point that uh, you've got a burning uh, something you need to, to just talk about, then give me a call, 719-440-0439. That's in the United States. That rings my cell phone. So 719-440-0439. Uh, text also works. You know, I heard you on Mario's uh, Zen podcast, and I really would like to, to, to take a few minutes and talk with you, to talk with you about this particular situation. Another way to stay up to date with me is uh, let's connect on LinkedIn. So Mark's on LinkedIn.com. You know, I used to ask people for their emails and put them on, an, on a, a newsletter, but people have thousands of me emails that cross their desk a day. And if you need to find me, you can find me on LinkedIn where I make occasional posts and they've got over 150 articles and there's, there's just a lot of places there. And most people hop on LinkedIn once a day. So that's the reason why it's a lot easier for me to stay up to date with you that way. But I'm glad to talk with you because I really want you to be a success. I love this. So, 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 so valuable, so powerful. My dear friends, connect with Mark. I will be sure to add all of the links and his number in the show notes so you can reach out. Uh, 
personally, I can only tell you that this is an incredible opportunity that he even gives you uh, publicly this phone number. Um, he really is a business and a life sage. Um, I can vouch for that in many forms and ways. And uh, Mark, as always, it's an absolute delight to talk to you, brother. Uh, thank you for offering your time and space and wisdom here today. And um, yeah, I know this won't be our last conversation. Go forth and have a better life. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Beautiful. Thank you, Mark, for being here. And thank you for being on the Zempreneur podcast. I will see you on the next episode. Until then, be with peace, my friend.